Welcome to the award-winning Thoughts from a Page podcast, a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network, hosted by me, Cindy Burnett, a voracious reader and book columnist who provides you with casual author conversations and book recommendation episodes, as well as insider information on all of the newest releases that I personally endorse and on the publishing industry in my behind-the-scenes series. With so many books coming out weekly, it can be hard to decide what to read, so I find the best ones and share them with you. For more book recommendations or to find my backlist of interviews, visit my website at thoughtsfromapage.com. Have you read a book recently that really resonated with you and makes you want to read a book more like it? If so, submit a read-alike request to me through my Google form located in today's show notes and tell me why you loved it, and I will suggest some similar reads on a future Tuesday episode. If you're interested in reading some great books before they publish, I hope you will consider joining my Patreon group to access additional content including early reads and pre-pub author chats and bonus episodes. I just added Banyan Moon by Tao Tai for May and The Bones of the Story by Carol Goodman for June. The link to join is in the show notes. Today, Kelly Hooker is joining me for a special episode where she asks me all of your questions that were submitted after my Behind the Books episode. Thanks so much to everyone who submitted questions. I had a ball answering them. I hope you enjoy today's conversation. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to, but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it. Because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy this podcast, I have another podcast that you will enjoy as well. A Bookish Home takes you behind the book with best-selling authors. Add to your TBR list while getting the inside scoop on the winding road to publication. Laura Zaro Kapinski is a librarian, mom, writer, and lifelong bookworm who is striving to create a culture of reading wherever she goes. She interviews a different author each week, and her episodes drop on Wednesdays. This spring, her podcast features Eleanor Shearer, author of River Sing Me Home, Maggie Smith, author of the memoir You Could Make This Place Beautiful, and Julia Kelly, author of The Lost Girl, as well as several other fabulous authors. Her show can be found on all major platforms, and I hope you will tune in. Welcome, Kelly. I am so glad you are back again to chat with me. Hi, Cindy. I'm so happy to be here. So today we're doing a follow-up to the Behind the Books where you interviewed me, And you and I both sourced questions from a variety of people, and you're going to ask them to me, and I'm going to answer them. Yes, I'm excited. There's some pretty good questions on here. Yes, I was so interested to see what people would ask, and there were kind of a wide range. Yeah, we're going to cover the gamut here. So what have you been up to lately? I have been really busy trying to carve out time for vetting books for my summer reading guide. I'm really focusing right now on some June, July, and August reads, and really trying to be strategic about which ones that I think have the best chance of making it on the guide, because I have read a few that I've thought were going to make it. I'm like, oh, shoot, those were not my favorites. So just trying to really plan ahead and figure out what realistically I have time to finish to read ahead of time and which ones I want to focus on. Do you have a date by which you have a cutoff, like when you want your reading guide to get out into the world? Yes, the last few years, I've had the guide come out right before Memorial Day, because I feel like that's just the kickoff of summer. And if people go away for the weekend, I think it's fun to 
sit down with something and kind of plot out your reads for the summer. So this year it will be out on May 25th. I always love your guides, particularly your summer guide, but I love them all. You do such a beautiful job getting it presented, pulling it all together. Mine's just a page on my blog, and yours is this just beautiful document. Oh, well, thank you. The thing I love about your guide is you find some hidden gems that aren't necessarily the buzziest books and books that I hadn't heard of, and I love how you're able to include some that would have flown under the radar for me otherwise. I always struggle with how I'm going to organize it. And in the past, I have had a cutoff of June 1. And so all the books that go on my actual summer reading guide were ones that would have published by June 1. But I'm going to try what you do, which is just kind of a mashup, whatever books you think are going to be relevant and good. And then if they're coming out in the summer, just put that on the the guide. Okay, this one comes out July 5th or whatever the date is. Yeah, I did a poll in my Instagram stories a few weeks ago asking what people would prefer. And I think like 90% of people said they wanted reads even through August, which kind of surprised me. So I'm like, okay, I guess we'll just keep on putting all the books in there. So it's fun to plan out. I feel like that's a hobby in and of itself. That is great. I somehow missed that poll, but that is great data. And it actually reinforces what you and I had talked about where I was going to try that out because I do think people enjoy knowing what's coming. Yeah, agreed. So I think it'll be fun to get those out into the world. And you also have several of your chapters and chat events coming up. Yes, my next chapters and chats event is with Colleen Oakley. She's the author of The Mostly True Story of Tanner and Louise, and it's Thursday, May 18th. So if anybody would like to join that, please let me know. And then in June, we'll be hosting Kathleen Grissom, the author of Crow Mary. And she wrote one of my very favorites, The Kitchen House, years ago. And then in July, we're hosting Claymont's Michelin. She's the author of The Quiet Tenant, which is a really tense thriller that I loved. So if you're interested in any of those, feel free to message me. The Quiet Tenant is on my list because you and many others have been raving about it. And I'm just a little worried it's going to be too creepy. So I need to make sure I can read it during the day. Yep. You need some daylight hours for that, but I think you're going to be okay. I think so too, from what you've told me. So I saw that this morning you spoke to a group about some spring book recommendations. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Sure. There are a variety of groups that I speak to in the fall and in the spring, and I just give them my latest book recommendations. So I actually hadn't spoken to this group in a couple of years. It was online last time I did. And I just gave them a list of 15 books that I was currently recommending. And then I included two, much in the vein that we were just talking about, that are coming out late May that they would want to pre-order. So it was really nice. It was a great group. They had a lot of questions, which is always fun. And I enjoy kind of diving into the behind the scenes stuff. And people seem to really like to know some of those things that you just don't every day talk about. Yeah, I think that's true. It looked like you had a great stack of books. And there were a few in there that I hadn't read before. And so I was taking note. The other fun thing that I did was I went to a book conference last week. The booksellers associations are broken out into various regional booksellers. And so Texas is in mountains and plains. And so there was a conference in San Antonio for three days last week. And I went over with a friend of mine who works at Blue Willow and met all sorts of indie booksellers for my Patreon series to interview them because that's one of the series that I do. And then I met a bunch of people for the behind the scenes series to be able to talk with them about different aspects of the book world and what they do and what their roles are. I learned a lot about bookshop and some ways I can put more of that kind of stuff on my website, learned about marketing. So it was really, really fun. That sounds like such a fun event. 
I'm curious if there are any books or authors that you heard about at this event that got you excited. There were a couple. Brian Washington was there. He's from Houston. He wrote Lot. He has a new book coming out. It sounds really good. Latoya Watkins was there. Her book Parish was a huge hit last year. She has a book of short stories coming out. She was actually at my table for breakfast one day and she was delightful. And then a couple of the publisher reps gave their recommendations through the summer. So the Random House people in Penguin, they had some great recommendations as well. So yes, I made some notes, got some galleys. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that sounds like just such a great time. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, it was a smaller conference. They usually do Fall Con up in Denver every fall. And Spring Con, which is what this was, is pretty new. So it was smaller. But it was nice because then I got to really chat with people and interact with them more than I think you do when it's a bigger conference. Yeah, I think that's true. Okay, let's get started with our Ask Me Anything questions. First up, we have a few questions about your favorite books and authors and covers from Erica. So she would like to know what are your lifetime favorites? Lifetime favorites. Okay, that's hard. But I think I have three that I regularly tell people. A Gentleman in Moscow by Amor Tolls, The Book Thief by Marcus Zusak, and A Man Called Ove. I know it's Uve, or I'm not sure exactly how you say it in Swedish, so I just always end up saying A Man Called Ove, by Frederick Bachman are three of mine. What's pretty funny is that I read mainly female authors, but when I list my three favorite books, they're all male authors. I don't exactly know what that says. Oh, that's so interesting. A Gentleman in Moscow is one of my all-time favorites, too. Good pick. Such a good book. So how about favorite authors? You mentioned some females. So what? I'm hoping maybe some ladies are on your list. <laughs> yes, plenty. Fiona Davis and Jane Harper and Sadiqa Johnson. I love CJ Box, who writes a very longstanding series set in Wyoming about a game warden. That's one of my favorite series. I love Hazel Gaynor, Rick Bragg, Elise Hooper, and Eric Larson. Those are probably most of my must-read authors that if they have a book coming out, I'm tracking it down. Oh, some of those are new authors to me too. So I'm going to have to go and check those out. Now you have a thing about covers. You brought covers really to my attention and just the detail that goes into them and just all the intricate factors. Can you tell me a few of your favorite covers? First, I love that you said that about covers. And I hear that regularly now that people are glad that I ask about the cover, that that makes my podcast distinct and unique because other people aren't doing that. And they have learned how much goes into each and every cover. So I love that, first of all, because covers are so important to me. But second of all, uh, one of my very favorite covers of all time is The Kingdoms of Savannah by George Dawes Green that came out last year. Yeah. It wasn't that just amazing. That, that cover, I think, will probably stay in first place for me. Yeah. And then I love The Golden Spoon by Jessa Maxwell. There's just something about that cover. And The Daydreams by Laura Hankin, which comes out next month. And that cover is just amazing. And The House of Eve by Sadiqa Johnson. Those three are all standouts for this year, I think. That's so fun to hear which ones have caught your eye. Do you have any that have caught your eye? The cover that's catching my eye right now is The Connellys of County Down by Tracy Lang. It is just this beautiful mix of wildflowers. And it's simple, but so beautiful. And that comes out in August, but it's a, it's a great cover. It is a great cover. And Celadon, the publisher, is doing the coolest thing with that book. I know you're participating and I am too. They had people sign up and they put us into groups of five and then we're reading it in parts and chatting with each other about it. So tonight my group meets for the first time on Instagram DMs. 
Yeah, I've never seen a publisher organize an event like that, but I love how intentional they're being about building community within their early readers. I agree. Okay, next question is, are there any books your kids and you read together or anybody reads with your husband? Well, two of my kids are out of the house. They're in college now. And the other is my 17-year-old son. So occasionally when they're assigned a book for class or when the girls were assigned when they were in high school, I would read along with them like Frankenstein and The Great Gatsby. But other than that, we don't usually. I'm not a huge buddy reader. I am enjoying it for purposes of this Tracy Lang book, but a lot of times I just read on my own schedule. I am part of a book club, and obviously we all read the book and talk about it there, but I don't do a lot of buddy reads. I will pass my husband all sorts of books that I have loved, and then he and I will talk about them when he's done, so I guess it's kind of a buddy read. Yeah. Was there a... I feel like there was just a book that you were telling me about when you were on vacation that you binged it in a day and then your husband read it. Drowning by TJ Newman. And I was just telling everybody this morning at that event, I was like, I read it in a day and I passed it to my husband who usually takes a while to get through a book and he read it in like a day. So this is one you want to put on your list and pass to everybody, male or female. Mm, Good one. Yeah. Last question from Erica. She is wondering if you have any favorite bookstores that you visited on your travels. Another thing that I love to focus on is indie bookstores. And everywhere we go, I make sure I look up the local stores and try to visit as many as I can. So I think the ones that have stood out to me in recent times are E. Shaver in Savannah. I just loved that bookstore. And Beach Books in Seaside, Oregon. And then Island Books on Mercer Island in Seattle. And I was just telling somebody the other day about Beach Books and what they do that's so cool. When you order from them, They wrap the books in the Indie Next list. So it's kind of fun to see the old Indie Next list and look at what was listed and always enjoy those. But they also often send a free galley as well that kind of lines up with what you ordered. Oh my goodness, that is so special and very cool. I'll have to check them out. Yeah, so we order from them decently regularly. And my daughter always thinks it's so much fun to get a galley in the mail. That's awesome. What a cool touch. Definitely. Next question is from Janelle. She's wondering what is one book that surprised you? Either you didn't think you were going to like it or it was really hyped and you didn't like it. So this is a hard one because I do read really early. And so a lot of times the hype doesn't start till after I've read a book. But occasionally there's a book like The Maid by Nita Prose that people are talking about many months ahead. That's one that I liked fine. I didn't think that the comp to Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine was very good. Like I loved Eleanor Oliphant. And I just felt like the maid was slower and a little mean-spirited at times. So that was one that I didn't love when I read it. And then the hype really kind of continued to build, but it just didn't work for me. And then another one is The Plot by Jean Korolitz. And I read that really early. And I predicted incorrectly because I was like, this book is super predictable. It's really long, drawn out. Like nobody's going to like this book. But a lot of people did like it. So I was definitely not in line with that one. Oh, interesting. I loved the plot, but I didn't read The Maid because it was a little hyped and I was worried it wasn't for me. I just knew from like 50 pages in what was happening in the plot. And I was like, okay, I don't need to read the whole rest of this book just to figure that out. Right. Okay. Next question is from Andrea and Renata. They are wondering if there is one author that you want to interview that you haven't been able to. Yes. Recently, I really wanted to interview Anne Napolitano. And I tried really hard through every channel that I could, her editor, her publisher. I reached out to her on Instagram, but I didn't get anywhere. She must be a busy lady. (laughs) Well, and I think with the 100th book pick by Oprah, 
I think there was a lot going on, but I loved that book so much and I would have really enjoyed interviewing her, but that's okay. I mean, there's lots of outlets out there and I'm sure lots of people were trying to interview her. Maybe you'll get her for her third book. Exactly. These next questions are from Emily. Emily asks, what are the hardest parts of working in the book world and doing a book podcast? One of the things that I find really difficult is that there are so many podcasts generally and book podcasts out there. So getting my name out there, finding my place in the space, and just continuing to make sure people remember the podcast is out there. So that for me, I think is the hardest part. There's just a lot of stuff coming out. Mm -hmm. I think that's true. And also, I think that there's always room at the table for people. I think that's right. And I think it's just a matter of continuing to remind people and, you know, being consistent and staying relevant. Yeah, exactly. What is the most fun you've had at a literary event and why? Well, I have two parts to this. The first is hosting Jane Harper in January, which I have already talked a lot about everywhere because it was the most exciting thing in the world for me. She is my favorite. I just love her. And so it was really exciting to have her come over from Australia and be able to interview her and hang out with her. So that was really fun. And then when Book Expo was still going on pre-COVID, the huge book conference in New York that everybody comes in from all over the place for, there was a really cool Penguin Random House party that I went to. There were so many famous people at this party, Salman Rushdie, Jasmine Guillory. I'm trying to think of who else. There were just so many cool people. And we were just like agog the whole time. Like, oh, they're so-and-so, they're so-and-so. And that was really fun. And I met a ton of great people from Penguin Random House that night too. Oh, both those sound so fun. Just a little starstruck. <laughs> what are your goals and plans for the next few years? I am really working to grow the show. That is my biggest focus at the moment, tying in with what we said earlier. There's just a lot of content out there and a lot of shows. And so just trying to find my place and then continuing to grow it. I also am working on my Patreon community, making it a fun literary space where readers can come together and get to know each other. We're doing the early reads, and that has been such a great way for everybody to come together and get to know each other, see each other's faces on Zoom, become friends. So I have loved that. So just fostering a welcoming and engaging literary community on Patreon. And then this year, I launched Read-A-Like Request, which I was curious to see how they would do. And it's been hugely popular. I have a backlog of like 20 requests, and they run every Tuesday. And so that's been really fun to see what people are interested in what they've liked, why they liked it, because I think that's always such an interesting question too. And to understand that, to be able to give read-alike request answers. And then I'm pondering doing live episodes. So how that would look and how I would do it is a little stressful to me, but I've had a number of people asking me about it. I think I could make my literary salons into live events. I sometimes will interview authors at bookstores and potentially make those live events that could be then found on the podcast platform. That sounds so fun. I personally have loved being a part of your Patreon group for the community that you're fostering, especially with the Early Reads program, because not only do you get access to an early arc of a book, but then chatting with the authors and getting the behind the scenes of the book. And we talked a little bit about how when we meet with authors as a group, it's usually the first time that they're talking about their book with a group of readers who have read their book. And so I think that's something really special. I do too, because we're getting to talk with the author or the authors pre-publication. So for them to be able to talk about their book with people who've actually read it and their spoilers included, and we can ask any sorts of questions, seems to delight 
every one of them. I get the nicest notes back. So that's been a really fun program. And I think it was something you and I just kind of brainstormed about and we're talking and I thought, well, I'll try it. And I'm glad it's worked so well. Me too. So to piggyback off of that, Emily's last question is, how many physical arcs and books do you receive and how do you handle the volume? Always an interesting question. So I get usually between 10 and 15 a week that arrive here. And it's getting a bit overwhelming because I'm like, okay, there's no way I could ever keep up with reading that number of books. Some books arrive after they've been pitched and they've said to me, does this book sound good? And I say yes, or I just don't respond or say that's not really my genre or whatever if I don't want it. And some just arrive unannounced. So the ones that I have agreed to, I feel some form of an obligation. Like I need to try to read the book. I need to see if it's going to work for me, if it's one that appeals. But if they just arrive unannounced, I don't really feel that pressure because, I mean, there's no way I could read 10 to 15 books a week unless that's all I did all day long. Yeah, that feels, that feels like a lot. So one of the things that I did because I was driving all over Houston, shoving books into all the little free libraries is last January, I got a little free library. So that helps a lot. I have so much traffic at my little free library because I just tell people about it all the time and people know there's arcs in there and galleys and you know lots of current reads. So I put all of them out there now and that's worked great. So it just gives me an opportunity to dispose of the books, but in a way that other people will be able to read them. I love that. I, we have a little free library in our front yard too. And it's just a great way to share some some arcs and other books that I've read or maybe haven't yet and put them out to the community. Exactly. And another cool thing about Celadon is that they do this really cool little free library drop from time to time with their new titles. And so I've enjoyed participating in that, just literally walking out the door and putting it in my little free library. Yes, that's great. Karen's wondering, do people listen to every episode? She says, I find so many books that I would never have found otherwise by listening to all of them versus just the ones that sound like I might like the book. I can personally affirm that they do not. I wish they did because I feel like that's part of the reason that I do the podcast is I have found all these books that wouldn't have necessarily been on my radar or I wouldn't have even thought, oh, hmm, does that sound good? But instead I get the pitch and I'm like, well, maybe I should try it. And I do. So I'm carefully curating the people that I interview. But no, based on the numbers, it's kind of all over the place. And some people wait until after they've read the book to listen to the interview. But I think it's really fun to listen before because then you have what you know to look for in the story and you have these kind of added little bits and pieces that will enhance the reading. But obviously listening on either end is great, but I wish more people would listen to some of those that they don't think appeal to them because I feel like every single time I read a book that I've really liked and then I interview the author, I'm so glad that I did. I always learn something. Yeah, I think that's true. And for me, I like to go into books really blind. But even listening to your shows before I read the book, it doesn't give much of the plot away at all. So I still feel like I'm going in plot-wise blind to the book, but I have a deeper appreciation for the story as a whole because I know all the behind the scenes and things about the cover and just what the author's mindset was and how the book came to be. And so I think it's great to listen to the episodes before the book because you're really not getting much plot-wise, and you can still feel like you're going in blind. I work really hard on keeping it spoiler-free, and often I'll ask a question, and then I'll say to the author, do you think that's a spoiler? And if we debate and we think it is, then we just take it out. 
or they'll answer something and I'll be like, okay, I think that gave too much away. So I'll either say to them, let's rephrase it, or I'll just take out that part of the podcast episode. Because I do want people to be able to listen and not feel like I've ruined the book for them at all. Right. I don't think that's ever happened. So feel free to, to listen ahead of time. Yeah, I loved that question. Me too. This next question is from Sin1107 on Instagram, and she is wondering, who are your favorite historical fiction authors? Well, that's a fun one, and the list goes on and on and on. But off the top of my head, my favorite historical fiction authors are Elise Hooper, Fiona Davis, Wynne Fawn Quaymai, Hazel Gaynor, Sadiqa Johnson, Jacqueline Winspear, and Kate Morton. Well, I think that you're such a good source for historical fiction authors and books. I just think you always have your finger on the pulse of what's coming up, especially with your column for Buzz Magazines. I do enjoy historical fiction a lot. Okay, we're going to take a hard left here. Different question from Carly. She's wondering, is music important to you? If so, what's your favorite genre or any other hobbies? I absolutely love music, and I think that is one of the reasons I'm not a big audiobook listener. Because I always say, okay, I'm going to listen to an audiobook when I'm in my car, but I listen to music in my car nonstop. And so I just don't ever switch over. And I really like so many different genres of music. I would say my favorites are probably 70s and 80s, old country and pop punk. Now, do those go together? Probably not. So my mixes from Spotify are hilarious because they're all over the place when they do those daily mixes. But I just love anything with a good beat. And I love music generally. (laughs) That is such a random conglomeration of music. I would love to see that playlist. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty funny. It will go from one extreme to the other. And my middle daughter, when she was in high school, was really into pop punk. And we'd go see all these really small groups and these small venues. And it was so much fun. And so I really started liking a lot of that music. But I also love a lot of the older stuff. And I really pretty much love anything. That's great. Any other hobbies besides music? Well, I love to travel. That is my all-time favorite thing. We grew up moving a decent amount. We traveled a lot. And so I just love visiting other places, learning about other cultures. I feel like you can read about places, which I love to do, and I love strong settings, and probably because I like to travel so much. But I think when you get there and actually see it, there's just no trading that. You know, I think it's just really, really cool. And then I love Broadway theater. Okay. So wide, wide variety of hobbies here. I love it. Caitlin is wondering what your favorite part of the job is. Talking with people about books. (laughs) I think I could do that all day long, every day. I think books are the great connector. And I have found so many times when I've spoken at events and I've been seated at a lunch table with people I don't know, all I have to do is say, tell me about your favorite book or what have you read recently or something else that they learned about in a book. And the conversation is off and never stops again. So I just love talking about books. Yeah, I think that's the best. You've got it made. Yep. How did you start your Instagram page? And did you have a plan to grow into what it is now? Well, when I started it, I was trying to find a platform to post reviews. And I didn't want to do a blog because I personally don't like following all these different blogs, though I do now actually have a blog. And so I thought, okay, Instagram will be one place where everybody's already looking at books. And so I started it, I think, in 2016. It was a long time ago. And I didn't have a plan. I'm not a super consistent poster these days because things are just so busy and that's the easiest thing for it to first fall off. But I've been really working on it, even if it isn't always a review to just post something and engage with people because that's so much fun, I think, to chat about books. I always learn something. 
but I didn't have a plan and I don't really still have a plan for Instagram other than just to continue to post and meet new people and chat with those people that I've already met. I'm going to piggyback off this question. Do you plan to delve into the TikTok world? You know, I know you have done that, and I would love to hear more about what your recent thoughts are. I know we've talked in the past. I keep thinking that I would love to find a marketing intern or a college student who's interested in working with me on marketing because I don't think I have the capacity for TikTok, but I think it could be really fun to delve into that world. Oh, yeah. Something to think about. Yeah. So last question from Caitlin. She's wondering how you made your reading life into a job. Yes, I think that is a great question. And I really don't have a solid answer other than slowly over time, I just kept adding things in, writing columns, writing more columns for different publications, the literary salon, the podcast, speaking to groups. And then it kind of became altogether my job. I love this question so much too. I think it's so interesting how you've been able to incorporate all of these aspects of your reading life and bring them together to make it into a career. And we talk more about this on the Behind the Books episode on January 3rd. So if you want to go back and listen to that, if you haven't yet, it's a good one. That's true, because then we really walk through how each thing got added in. Yeah, definitely more specifics there. It's really interesting to me. Okay, Kristen is asking, how many books do you read in a year? That's a great question. I get that all the time, actually. And I read anywhere from 10 to 20 in a month. And so it usually averages out to 175, 180 a year. It really just depends on what else is happening and my focus and just everything else. So I usually end up somewhere around 170 to 180. Do you find that some seasons are more reading heavy typically for you or does it ebb and flow throughout the years? It ebbs and flows. I think that the fall is a much quieter time for new releases. So then I'm really trying to get ahead for January through March, because to me, that's the biggest time. Like the stuff that I read is coming out so heavily focused in January through March. So I really spend the fall trying to knock out a ton of those books. The rest of the year, it's sort of split between whatever's coming up and whatever sounds good and and getting ahead. But I do find that the fall is quieter in terms of things coming out. So it gives me a little bit of time to get ahead in a more productive manner. Mm -hmm. I think that's smart. Deanna asks, what books did you read as a child? I have always loved to read since I was young. I was the kid with the flashlight under the covers, my parents having to come in all the time to say, okay, you really have to go to bed. But I read Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys, Trixie Belden, Agatha Christie, the Little House on the Prairie series, Harriet the Spy, just pretty much anything I could get my hands on. That's so fun. We talk more about that too, I think, on our Behind the Books episode as well. We do. And my dad helping me collect all the Nancy Drew books. Mm -hmm, I love that. This question is from Kelly, not me, but another Kelly. She is wondering, what is one of your favorite things about hosting the podcast? One of my favorite things is the community that I have built with readers, not just Patreon, but readers generally. I get so many great messages from people that have listened to the show or found a book because of the show. They have interacted with me on Instagram. So I have really liked that. I feel like I've gotten to know a lot of people that way. I also love when people share about the show. And that is a way that I have gotten to know other people when they've shared about it. And then we've talked more about a particular episode. And I also love the Patreon group because it's just such a nice group. We've talked about that already. But the early reads program has ended up being so much fun. Mm, Yes. And that's how I discovered your podcast too, Sherry 
Poozy had shared about it. And so it really makes a big difference when people spread the word. It really does. So this is a good segue. Kelly also asks, how can your listeners help support you? Well, as we were just talking about, I think the biggest way that listeners can help support me is to share about the show, either the show generally or a particular episode that resonated with them. And sharing on social media is great, but just sharing with your book club and your friends and other people that you know is just so incredibly helpful. I can't even tell you. I'm constantly having people say to me, oh, I learned about your show because of somebody posting about it or somebody telling me about it, just like you said, learning about it from Sherry. So that to me is just the greatest way that I that you can help if you're wanting to. And I really appreciate it because everybody has so many pulls on their time. And so just to continue to have people say, oh, you know, you really should check this out, I think is awesome. The other way that, that people can support me is joining the Patreon group. It's $4 a month, almost the same cost as a coffee, in fact, cheaper than a lot of coffee. And we've talked about the Early Reads program. There are bonus episodes. You're doing them with me every other month now. And in between, we have a bookseller's episode from a bookstore, someplace fun to visit in the country. Sometimes I have author chats. I have a newsletter that goes out. So that's just another great way to support the podcast because there are so many hidden costs. You just wouldn't believe it. When I sit down to go through it all, I'm like, this is crazy. So that's another way that is a, a really greatly appreciated way to support the podcast. Yeah, $4 well spent. Thank you. The next question that we have is from Andrea. And Erica was also wondering this as well. How has the podcast changed your reading life? I read much more widely than I used to. I used to focus predominantly on historical fiction and mysteries and thrillers with a few contemporary fiction thrown in. But I get pitched so many books and so many genres. And it's been really interesting because a lot of them sound great. And so I get them and I end up loving them. So I read a lot more widely than I used to. I think that's true. Even just from being on Bookstagram, just being around books and immersed with them all the time. I'm just really finding myself broadening my reading horizons. And that's so fun. I agree. Andrea is also wondering how you choose the authors that you'd like to interview. That is such a great question, and it has changed over time. When I first launched the podcast, the purpose was to interview authors. Whether I had necessarily read their book or not, it didn't really matter, but just promoting authors generally, because I mean, that's one of the number one focuses of the podcast, and the reason that I do it is to promote books, and there's so much out there, and to help people decide you know, what might sound good to them, what wouldn't sound good to them. But over time, I have changed it as, as the podcast has gotten larger and I'm able to interview more people. I now really focus on those books that I have read and loved. So I get pitched authors daily, probably four to five a day. And I would say I interview less than 10% of what I get pitched. So I try to read ahead and see if I like a book or not. And if I do like it, then I ask the publicist about interviewing the author. So they'll say, do you want to read such and such and interview the author? And I'll say, let me read it. And then if I like it, I get back with them and say, yes, I'd love to schedule an author interview with so-and-so. And if I don't like it, I usually just don't say anything. And that seems to work. Well, I think you're, what you're doing is truly a public service because you are vetting all of these books ahead of time and just finding the ones that are the best and not necessarily the best all around, but just the ones that really work for you and might work for your audience as well. But still, I get people asking me occasionally, well, have you read such and such before you interviewed them? And first of all, I was like, well, I've always read the books before I interviewed them. Even if I had agreed to interview somebody before, I always read their book before I interviewed them. I don't know how I could interview them without reading the book. But I'll tell you, authors are always like, oh, 
I'm so glad you read the book. And I'm thinking, how could I interview you if I didn't read the book? But now I make sure I've read the book and I've really liked it. And it's one I would recommend. So occasionally people will still ask me that. I'm like, oh, yes, I'm only interviewing those people whose books that I personally would tell you to read this book. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just a host of great recommendations from you. So we appreciate it. And your hard work has not gone unnoticed because um, you've gotten some awards recently. And Amy says, congratulations on your awards. Can you tell me a little bit more about them? Yes, I have to say this is one of those things that just makes me so incredibly happy. I think the podcasting world is a little different because you don't really, other than people sharing about the show, which we were talking about, which is fabulous, you don't really have a lot of feedback about the show. Those really did make me happy and maybe know that I'm doing something right. So in December, I won awards from three different entities. One was a platinum award from Viddy, which is a big group that all sorts of huge companies enter into in addition to smaller groups. And I got their platinum award, which is their highest in the podcast interview category. So I was really happy about that. And then Crowd Ultra, which a lot of people heard about because they helped nominate me for that. I was in the top five. And then I actually won the top one, which was done by their judges. I even beat out a Book Riot podcast, which I was so excited about. The third one was a small company that did awards. And I won Best Book Podcast, Best Leisure Podcast, and Best in Publishing from Speak Up Talk Radio. And then just last month, I won a gold award from AVA and their digital awards. And that was another big one like Viddy, where you've got all these huge companies, you know, publicly traded and otherwise entering into their various digital awards. So I was thrilled to pieces that I won a gold award from them. Well, like you said, podcasting can be a bit of a solitary job. And it's so nice to see that your hard work is being recognized by your listeners and um, just the podcast world in general. So congratulations. Thank you. I have to say those really did make me very happy. Yes, well-deserved. Amy's also wondering, how do you decide what ads can run on your show? That's a great question and another one that I get a lot. And so I was glad she asked it because I could explain it. So ads are handled in two ways, and they're all handled through my podcast network. So I am affiliated with Evergreen Podcasts Network, and they handle the way the ads are done. And there's two types. The first is just generally run ads that are recorded by a company like Saks Fifth Avenue or Nike or whoever it's going to be. And I can go into my page and megaphone and click off the things that don't appeal to me or that I think people don't really want to listen to ads for. And then I can highlight the ones that seem like they're a good fit for both me and for the podcast. So I did that before the ad started running. And I will fine tune it from time to time. If they change something or if I hear an ad and I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't really like that, then I'll go in and and fix that. But then the second category are ones that they pitch to me all of the time for various companies that want me to do a host red ad. And that is directly related to things that I personally am promoting. So I'm super picky about those. They probably pitch five to seven a week. And I only respond very rarely on the things that are things that I personally would use or feel very comfortable saying this is something I promote. Like I did Bomba socks in the fall. I did skin for the skincare program, things like that. But most of the time, it's stuff that I just don't know much about and I don't want to attach my name to it. Well, that's good that you are selective about what can run and what you'd like to have on your podcast. Absolutely. I wouldn't be able to do it if I weren't because there can be so many random things and you just don't necessarily want some of that running on your show. Right. Well, you've got me sold on the Bombas. I need to order myself some. (laughs) I love Bombas. I have for years. That's why I keep mentioning them. I'm like, okay, Bombas. 
Uh, I love all of their stuff. So okay, a little free free pitch for the bottle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Rebecca is wondering what are some must dos when visiting Houston. Please include where to eat. I loved that. Please include where to eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love the museum district here. We have a beautiful museum of fine arts that has continued to expand and covers all parts of the world. We have a great museum of natural science which my kids and I still love to go to. There's so many cool things there. NASA is a ton of fun. We have some great outdoor parks as long as you're not here in July. And so those are the things that I think are really fun to do while you're in Houston. And then I came up with the list of restaurants. I really like State of Grace, Fins and Feathers, Navy Blue, Good Company Seafood, and Relish. Those are places that we go to pretty regularly. Ooh, I've never been to Houston, but it's on my list. I'd love to come visit you and see all the Houston things and come to one of your literary salons. That's what I was just going to say. You have to come when there's a literary salon and then we can go out to eat as well. Yes, that sounds great to me. Rebecca's also wondering how you find time for reading each day. Do you have little pockets of time or longer scheduled time? I do both, actually. I bring a book with me everywhere I go. We talked a little bit about that and behind the books as well that I just always have a book with me and everybody jokes about it and I have for years. And then I also read through NetGalley on my Kindle app on my phone and iPad. And so that will also be with me. So I do that to fit in five minutes here, 10 minutes here, you know, whatever that is. And then I also will set aside blocks of time. And sometimes I will just sit down to read a book and kind of flip through it and say, okay, let me see what I think of this. And, you know, two and a half hours later, I'm still reading it. These Silent Woods is one of those that I always say that about because I literally sat down on a Saturday to see what I thought of the first few pages because I loved the cover so much and I didn't get up till I was done. I am looking forward to those days in my reading life, but I am in a season of small pockets right now. And I, I can attest to the fact that it does add up. It really can make a big difference. Just don't underestimate those small little pockets of time in your reading life. I do think that's exactly right. And then you do a lot of audio, which probably really helps you get through a lot these days. Yeah. And even still like small snippets of audio, just while I'm getting ready in the morning or pouring coffee, just having my headphone in and listening to, you know, even a few minutes, you can get through some good books. You definitely can. So our last question is from Dana. She's wondering if there is a book that has changed your life, made a big impact or influenced a big decision in your life. That's such a great question. And I couldn't really think of a book that completely changed everything like that. But I did think about the fact that I love mystery series. And there is a writer, Lawrence Block, who's been around for a very long time, who wrote a series called the Matthew Scudder series. And I can totally remember in the late 80s, early 90s, starting to read that series and just working my way through every single book. And I think that's when my love of series began. And I read so many different mystery series now, anxiously awaiting each one coming out. And so I think that that idea that you could stay with the same character for a really long time came from reading those Lawrence Block books when I was in my early 20s. And then I read so many great books that I feel like I pulled tidbits from. Like I love Win Fon Quay Mai's book because I've learned so much about Vietnam and the culture and what they went through on the opposite side of the events that we often read about from the American perspective. So I think there's tons of books like that, but I can't think of one book that that just radically changed everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. Just getting a few formative things, taking away something from each book that just changes you even just a little bit. I love that. I do too. Well, those are all the questions we have for today. It's so fun to 
hear your answers and learn more about you. And I just love all the questions that people submitted. Well, thank you, everybody that did submit questions. I really appreciate it. And it was fun to get to think about the answers and then to chat with Kelly about them. And Kelly, thank you for this idea. Oh, it was my pleasure. I loved doing it. And I look forward to you being back soon where we're talking more about books. Yes, me too. Thanks for having me. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. Tell all of your friends about the show and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. I hope you'll tune in next time. Science, science, science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We are a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy, and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes. Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes, yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.